0: Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name is Blair Embry. I'm the communications manager for Prison Yoga Project, and we are so excited today to welcome our very special guests, Terry and Mike. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. Yeah,
1: thanks for inviting us.
0: Absolutely. Terry Cortez Vega began her journey in mindfulness in 1998 with Zen master Tich Nhat Hanh. In 2012, Terry was ordained as a Dharma teacher. For more than 25 years, Terry has led a weekly meditation, mindfulness, and yoga class in various jails and prisons in and around Austin. Since the 90s, Terry has organized a group of practitioners to sit in meditation outside of City Hall in Austin during every execution on death row. Terry is also the resident Dharma teacher at Plum Blossom Sangha in Austin. Thank you so much for being here, Terry. Thank you for inviting me. And our other special guest is Mike Stanfield. Harry met Mike while he was incarcerated in Texas. Mike was awaiting trial for one year in jail. After being a resident for a month, you can sign up for programs. Mike signed up for meditation, the works of Byron Katie. He signed up to be a GED teacher, and he also signed up for yoga. His instructor instructor was Terry. Her classes were a heavy dose of meditation, mindfulness, and yoga. Safe to say that these teachings made an impact. Mike spent three years incarcerated and upon release, settled back into San Antonio to start his own branch of the Plum Blossom Sangha. For the past 11 years, Mike has been holding space for anyone in his community to come and learn about the Dharma and practice mindfulness and meditation. It is my great honor to be hosting this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And how we like to get started is by centering opportunity. Terry, will you lead us in this? I'm happy to. So I'd like to invite
2: three sounds of the bell. The bell um, um, invites us to go back to our true home to that sweet sweet spot inside so we'll listen to three sounds of the bell then i'll just offer a short settling meditation and then two sounds of the bell to end you to find your most comfortable favorite meditation position where you're alert but feel cozy like you're at home may need to move a little left or right or adjust your head a little bit If you like, lightly close your eyes. Breathing in, I am aware I'm taking an in-breath. Breathing out, I'm aware I'm taking an out-breath. Might follow your in-breath from the beginning end, and then that little pause before you start your outbreath, you pause before you start your in-breath. Enjoy your breathing. <clears throat> As you breathe in, you may notice your body relaxes. Face is relaxed, your shoulders. Arms and hands. Your chest and upper back relaxed. And you receive your next breath in a soft belly. Your lower back relaxed and at rest. Your legs are relaxed from the, from the inside out so All the muscles around your femur, relaxed. Chins and calves. Feet, your toes. I invite you to notice the space you're in, where where do you feel cool? Where do you feel warm? You might notice the sounds in your space without naming or labeling them, just receive the sounds. If you like, imagine yourself on your ceiling or on the sky, cloud, and look down and notice where you are in space, who else is around, what else is around. I invite you to appreciate yourself for something sweet you've done today. Something good you've done for yourself or someone else. smiled or you showed up here. Then offer gratitude to someone. Just bring your attention back to your in breath and out breath. to this miracle of being able to breathe in and breathe out.
0: Thank you so much, Terry. I really loved the invitation to enjoy your breath. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. Terry, we can start with you with a, a question that we ask often What's your first memory of meditation? Mm. <coughs> You know, I, I wasn't um,
2: a meditator. I had kind of sworn off of spiritual life altogether. But my best friend, Scotty, said, you need to meditate. And so I said, hmm, I, I, I love her, so I, I want to, I know she loves me, so I decided to try it. And so, actually, I didn't have a bell, so I got a pan lid and a stick (laughs) from the yard, And I invited the pan lid and uh, my dog, uh, and I meditated. And I reported to Scotty later, I hate this meditation stuff. I was perfectly happy stuff in me. And Scotty said, "Just keep trying. Just keep trying." Um, so I would say it was a pretty rocky start. I wouldn't have wouldn't have finished it if it hadn't been for her. Yeah. Now, meditation is like eating avocados. It's just so nourishing and delicious that I can't imagine a day where where I don't um, sit
0: still get quiet stop thinking Mm. how long do you think that you were kind of like digging at it before
2: oh I think it took several months Scotty just kept saying keep at it keep at it And um, and then one time she said you know there's this little Vietnamese Buddhist monk in California having a retreat let's go and so I said, "Okay, why not a trip with my girlfriend?" Right. So it was uh, a Tignancon, and um, we spent we had a five day retreat there, and that was where I totally turned around. Just um, it, it really helps. It still helps to meditate with with others. The energy. It's one of the reasons i love going to the prison the energy of um everyone sitting and being still feeds we feed each other and so i guess it was a couple of months but then after after being sitting i and the monastics and the 900 other of my best friends <laughs> um and i was I fell in love with meditation.
0: I agree. I think there's something really beautiful and potent um, to the silence of hundreds of people sitting and practicing together. Yeah. You know, Blair, that's true.
2: But even just sitting with my sangha, which may be maybe 20 people or sometimes at the jail, just four or five guys. Just other people with the same intention, the same quieting uh, affects us. I'm not sure actually, we can really meditate if we don't occasionally <coughs> occasionally get that fixed.
0: Mm. Mm. It's the thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the thread) <clears throat> Mike, what's your first memory of meditation?
1: Well, that's easy for me. Um, uh, It wasn't as long ago, probably, as Terry's. But um, actually, mine is from jail. Um, As you mentioned, I signed up for a meditation program, and there was an instructor there. um, And Terry uh, knows him, too, uh, Dave Stevens, who's... um, passed on but um he was a, a phenomenal meditation teacher and i had i had studied uh, buddhism read quite a few uh like alan watts books and things like that but it was a, a real cerebral thing and i and didn't really get into the meditation but there's such absolute utter chaos in a in a, a jail setting that i signed up for this class and we went to a we went to a, a classroom of, you know, maybe five people or six people, but just the sheer quiet and, and, and respite from the chaos. I was, I was sold from day one. It was, it was uh, meditation was, uh, was revolutionary in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, uh, argue with it at all. It was great. So yeah, um, that's, uh, that was like in 08, 2008 probably when that happened.
0: So just continuing with that piece, Mike, when you were in class, how many times did you get to practice a week?
1: Um, that was once a week. Yeah. It was once a week thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we took it back you know what what was really instructive for me that I, I i chuckle at people at retreats and things like that that say you know oh, that clock is is bothering me or i heard a noise outside uh, dave was real um adamant about us taking it back to the dorm and doing it daily but so i learned to meditate in absolute chaos and noise so now a clock ticking or a dog barking it doesn't phase me at all. It's just his his famous uh, saying was, "Just let the noise be the noise. Just let it be the noise, and don't engage with it." And so, it's really informed my meditating ever since. You know,
0: I can hear how it just makes the depth of your meditation unshakable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sure,
2: Terry. Yes. Yeah, please. Maybe I could say something. I, I think that, um, that that's uh, Mike did an excellent job of, of making the noise, the noise. But that is a concern when we teach guys in in prison. And I've only taught uh, men when we teach guys in prison or in jail. They say, where can I meditate? Because it is. It has to be done every day, <clears throat> and they get real creative. Like um, breakfast is at four thirty in the morning, and then most people go back to bed. So th- uh, a lot of guys find that time at after breakfast, so five a.m. or four forty-six a.m. <laughs> um, they find that time, or they go in the wreck outside to the to the wreck, concrete, and and find a place. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. just taking any opportunity for spaciousness. Creative about it. Yeah, Mike. Uh,
2: is, right, Mike. You just kind of uh, t- tuned it out. It does doesn't. You it doesn't enter you. And and yeah, there you
0: go. Great.
1: Um, yeah, um, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, when it's I, I love when it's quiet, I, I love sitting with with the sangha or sitting in retreat, and um, really enjoying soaking up the silence. But um, it did help me to develop a, a, a way of, of just tuning out. I guess, compartmentalizing the noise and just having it be, I, I, I liken it to, um, to thoughts. Um, it, when we meditate, thoughts come and, and we're taught, we learn to, to not grasp them, to just let them float by. And um, I just sort of lump that in with the sounds. I just let the the chaos just, just float by i just don't attach myself to it so um but yeah i mean it's obviously nicer <laughs> when it's quiet and there are there were those times like you said terry at, in 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 the actual prison system breakfast is at three so um four o'clock was a really good time it's a quiet time but after that it's just you know it just ramps up again so mm. but um, yeah Uh, that's really all I have to say about that.
0: (laughs) Harry, what was the motivation or how did you get involved in teaching in correctional facilities? Well, in Texas,
2: we were number one in executions. And so our sangha, we had a group of us who every time the state Um, executed someone we sat on the capital steps and there were we sat and meditated from um five five o'clock five thirty to six thirty because we execute at six o'clock and, um, we just sit and meditate, but there were Christian people there as well, with big signs saying, "Stop execution or we're executing someone right now and so I was sitting in meditation on the capitol steps and which is right on a m- main road, right in front of the capitol and and um we we meditate for the person being executed, being murdered. We uh, also uh, meditate for the victim, the victim's family, the uh, friends of the victim, the family and friends of the person being executed, as well as the staff that has to tie their arms down and their feet down and uh, insert the needle. So we, we, we just include all everyone who's suffering because this. this. Um, one time when I was sitting, I just thought, I don't come to you until the last minutes of your life. I want to get to you I want to see if I can be of any other help a little earlier in this process. So I just went to the local jail and knocked on their door and said, can I offer yoga? At the time, um, no one was asking for Buddhist teachings, just yoga, but I knew that I could include meditation in, in the yoga. So that was, I don't know, 25 or more years ago.
0: Thank you. What what barriers were you met with? I know that you started this work 25 years ago. The tides have changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, will you tell us maybe about the struggles and the barriers about offering these kind of rehabilitative programmings inside?
2: Right. There was no barrier to offering yoga. Um, I offered yoga. But I included meditation in that. And sometimes... Uh, although my practice is a Buddhist practice, I didn't emphasize that, but sometimes Buddhism is attached to yoga and meditation, and it came up and And one time some guys said to me, "Oh, we we'd like to take we want to find out more about Buddhism." And I said, "Oh, great, I'll go to the chapel and ask the chaplain. Because I I, I was offering yoga in a separate part of the jail with programs, so I went to the chaplain and I said, "I'm a yoga, I'm a Dharma teacher. I would like to teach about Buddhism." He said, "No way." Um, So I said, "Well, what? Why not?" And he said, "Well, if you if a woman comes here to the jail and she wants," a Buddhist teacher, I'll call you. So I went back to my yoga class and I said to the guys, well, we're not going to be able to do it. And and they said, oh, we really want to. And I said, well, why don't you just put in a, a request for a Buddhist meeting? So the guys did. They sent in their request and they got a, a note back that with the a Christian Bible that said, find the true Lord in the, in the, in, in the chapel, chaplain's Bible. <clears throat> so I, they showed me that sheet of paper and I, and I showed it to the sheriff and the sheriff said, Oh, I think I can do something about that. So it wasn't long after that, that, um, I was told I could have a Buddhist class, but although I'd been teaching men for 15 years, uh, I I couldn't do it without a man. So I said, well, there'll be 20 men there. That's not the problem. But he didn't think that was a very funny joke. (laughs) So I was telling Jeff about it. Jeff, are you there? I can't
0: see you. Is Jeff there? I don't think he's here yet, but we'll uh, make sure that he's part of the recording. So Jeff was the, I'll interject real quick, because then I want you to. Okay, good. yeah. Jeff was the first person that I interviewed for this webinar series. And so, and Jeff is a longtime PYP facilitator. And now I think is maybe titles like UK program director. So this is how Jeff got involved. So yeah, continue, tell us. So uh, Jeff was teaching yoga as well
2: at the at the uh, jail so I said oh I gotta find me a man and he said I'll be your man and so it was so wonderful so Jeff uh Jeff and I co led the this B- Buddhist class and and when he went to the UK he deserted us and he left well I was Able to find another man in my sangha. And now that chaplain has moved on, he's um doing something else. And and the new chaplain, uh, I can meet without my man. So it's just um me and my other guys that that show up.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think um I think this is heard often from challenges from the outside coming in. And then Mike, I want to hear some challenges or resistance. Did you meet any challenges of being able to request or receive this kind of programming inside?
1: Um, you know, the truth is, is, is that story, that that bit of the story where, where Terry started um, offering Buddhist services, that was after I'd already left mm. in the prison system there it was it was not available it wasn't available and it meant the same sort of resistance she's talking about the chaplains and uh so for the most part buddhism is practiced well i say it's been 10 years more since i was there but um uh we we maybe got like a couple of guys together um as an adjunct to the christian um they had they had uh, what they called god pods which are relig- spiritual based dormitories but um you would you could meditate you didn't ever you could never use the the word buddhism but you could talk amongst yourselves about it and i read um Dave and Harry and um, some other people on the outside were really generous in making sure that that there were plenty of um, Thich Nhat Hanh books and Pima Chodron books and Jack Cornfield. There's a lot of uh, of resources out there, but no, they're organized, it wasn't. it was not available to me, uh, the Buddhist. Um, and and when I took the meditation class in jail, uh, Dave, was a meditation instructor but he was very eclectic he brought in jewish meditators rabbis that wrote books on meditation he brought in take not books but diedrich bonhoeffer and he was he was all over the board so they let him slide under the radar because he wasn't teaching buddhism um it's it's a very funny um prejudice but it's not um it's not unheard of in texas in general um, uh, you know, the reverse is, is very, it's, there's a couple of books by Thich Han about Christianity and Christ and Jesus and, and, and Buddha as brothers. So it's definitely a one-way prejudice, but it is what it is, you know, so um, it, there were, it, there were no, uh, uh prison sponsored programs that I could be involved with that, that had the word Buddhism attached to them.
0: So all of these challenges and barriers and blocks, um, which also, frankly, shouldn't exist. I think that there are rights to people that are incarcerated to receive religious programming. So that's I mean, that's the, the biggest thing we're seeing here. But tell us about your relationship and how you guys met.
1: Well, I. Um... As I said, you know, I, I also put in for yoga, and i and I attended uh, Terry's yoga class um, and um from from my perspective, she slipped in a little bit more Buddhism than she's leading on. Maybe she's not supposed to say that, but there was plenty of uh, of meditation, Buddhism flavored stuff at the end of the yoga part and and it was very appreciated. No one was upset by that that I knew of, but um i don't know uh i don't want to speak to terry but but i feel like um she sometimes feels like a little frustration in that she doesn't seem to be getting th- I'm like 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 guys are specifically signing up to get out of the dorm just because it's quiet but then once they're released they don't really show an interest in it anymore uh, i don't know how much I don't, but what she for me she watered a lot of seeds in a lot of men over the years, and and I think those seeds are blossoming all over the world, and she just doesn't see it because they go off and they do their thing and they live their life, but but she's so uh, she was so sweet and so generous and and so much. For me, the important thing was she treated us just like people that you would meet anywhere. We weren't inmates when we were in her class, um, um, and so I I just loved her from the beginning, and and we hit it off. But um, she was incredibly generous over my incarceration with uh, with um, uh, correspondence, writing letters, just. Um, uh, just kept in touch and um and um I, you know i think i think that's available i, I don't know uh, that would be for her to answer but i think she would do that for anyone that would show an interest i just happened to show an interest so um but when i got out it was the same thing she invited me to austin to the, her sangha she was very welcoming open arms and um helped me start a saga in san antonio and uh you know um she's one of my nearest friends now.
0: Mm-hmm. Harry, will you talk to us about how it felt to have um Mike as a student or a participant in, in the programs and, and that the evolution of the relationship?
2: Yeah. Well, Mike tells us the sweet the sweet part. Um well, right off the bat, he was committed. It's like I don't know, like just sparked in him. Uh, Mike, you remember that you um, guys would uh, often make uh, roses out of toilet paper. <laughs> And, and, and somehow dye them with jello or something. <laughs> and so they bring, um, yeah, bring me roses, so precious. Um, well, Mike uh, illustrated waking up this morning, I smiled 24 brand new hours. Do you remember that, Mike? Mm hmm. He this beautiful illustration of this little short meditation that we did. So that's just an example of how he came in on fire. And that, of course, influenced everyone else. And when he got out and now Mike and our friends, he's comes here and he took meal with us and he stays in our cabin and, and, but But, when he got out, he was uh, still on fire. They hadn't doused out that fire in in the prisons. Uh, but it was because of his energy. He and I wrote constantly. I kept all of your letters. do you keep do you, Did you keep my letters? Oh, I bet you couldn't keep them
1: no, no i I, I could send them home in an envelope, so I, I have them all.
2: Oh, Naya is Oh, they're such sweet. And you know what he would do is talk about how he was practicing. And so therefore he was teaching whether they had formal classes or not. Mike was teaching compassion, kindness, equanimity, joy. He was taking care of people in that way by the way that he lived there in that space and then when he got out and he said um uh he was in san antonio which is a hundred miles away sort of a little less than that he said i want a sangha here and so he started a sangha he got together to two three other women he got those three women together and he started a sangha and and now he is, in our sanghas, we don't have a leader, but if we did, it would be Mike is the leader of, of his sangha. He's the, the foundation, the, the solidity. He's the one that uh, makes sure there's harmony in the sangha. And it's grown now. They have 20 or more people, which in a Buddhist sangha, that's a big sangha. So he he continues to teach me. Of course, those letters were totally dharma talks for for me. How how under these circumstances? For example, uh, in Texas prisons, there's no air conditioning, and it's a hundred or a hundred and ten outside, and only inmates. I think this is right, Mike. Who can buy a fan uh, from the system can have a fan. So he was had, and many there's been people die because of the heat. Many, so well, he he got heat rash all over. But he saw that as a way to practice. He used, you know, you can think um, using chaos to um, deepen your meditation, he used heat rash to deepen his practice. It's just, he took whatever came along. There's a big riot one time and they put everybody on white bread and bologna sandwiches, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for more than a week. Right, Mike?
1: It was about six weeks.
2: About six weeks of bologna and... And he used white bread and bologna for six weeks as a practice. So you can see how he teaches. He he, he who he is, is, is a teacher. Yeah.
0: I love this dear, <laughs> heartfelt share from both of you. And Mike, I want to hear more about you as a facilitator. You know, you've been out more than eleven years, and since then, you have been facilitating and being a community leader. Will you tell us about the experience of facilitating?
1: Um, sure. Uh, normally, in the in the Plum Village tradition, uh, the um, members, the full ordained members of the Order of Inner Being, facilitate. Uh, the Dharma Sharings and Sangha, but being a brand new Sangha, we had four of us that started it, but none of us were ordained. So we just sort of were thrown into the deep end. Um, but I have to say that, that it's not um, for me, I was ordained in 2017, um, and I've learned a lot along the way. But for me, it is it is the greatest joy to share to facilitate the discussion um and it's never for some people i know that it's 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 a little bit of a stage fright kind of thing it's like i don't really want to facilitate a group of 20 people and, and what if i say something wrong and, and all that but for me it's always been my greatest joy uh, as part of the practice is to um to just share my personal experiences with with the practice and and how much joy it brings me. and um, I love it. I love it, but we have grown. Uh, the part of the story Terry didn't tell is after we started it it got down to just two of us. and we met in the woman, the the other woman's uh, house. we met every every once a week, and it was just the two of us for almost a full year and we kept thinking is this really is this the sangha is this what it's going to be and then we just reached a tipping point we had a visitor and then we had two visitors and then we had five and and now um as terry said we regularly have 20 25 people and we're getting new people all the time and um we just had a retreat terry's sangha just put on retreat and we had uh three or four members take the five mindfulness trainings which is a a ceremony in the, in our practice and um and um and it's it's really reached a a self-sustaining kind of thing i don't i don't feel like i feel like now if i i could die or move and the cycle would be fine i mean it's it's a it's an organism into itself but um but it was touch and go for a little while we had our doubts but um you know we always had our big sister in austin to you know talk us down off the ledge so um but yeah it is it's it's been wonderful it's it's a a really big part of my life and uh, we do uh a book club once a week uh, on zoom and we have a sunday morning walk that we do and um so so yeah three or four days a week i'm doing something with sangha and it's uh it's awesome
2: actually seven days a week because of meditation <laughs> also he uh, he met his uh, uh, so this beautiful woman came to sangha and they fell in love and they and I married him. So I'm happy to say i married, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's so beautiful. Yes. Um, Mike, what do you think was, was there a turning point or like a specific moment for you that you wanted to dedicate your life to the Dharma?
1: Um there was a specific um happening in um it was it was funny because like i said uh, uh, dave had brought different books and i really hadn't attached myself to any teacher or or anything like that but i had an experience in an early morning um incident in our dorm where we're a man who as an aside there's a lot of um mental illness in the in the uh prison system. So um, there's a lot of, of things going on. But one, one um, man, one gentleman was having a, a particularly rough morning. Let's put it that way. And he just went off, just went off and was screaming. And we were in line. And there was something that happened that particular time where I turned around and I looked him in the eyes and I thought, I, I, I completely I not only understand what he feel what he's feeling right now, but but where there's no was no separation between us. There was the inner being. It's like I I totally was not frustrated or angry or scared. I just thought thought there is no separation between the two of us. And I just felt complete compassion for him. And i told terry that story she probably doesn't remember it but she she was still just my yoga teacher quote unquote so i told her that story and she goes i have a book you should read and she gave me um a taken book and um, um i read his book and uh i don't i don't know if you've ever read any taken Han books but he's a, he is an, an incredibly articulate and sweet human being. And he just, I read that book and I'm like, well, that's it. Um, this is me. This is what I've been looking for, for my whole life. So um, that was probably the turning point for me. Thank
0: you so much for sharing that story. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Terry, do you think that you're the moment for you that shifted? Was it, was it the retreat where you were in community? Right. Yeah, actually, when um, and like I
2: say, I I had consciously given up. Um, any, I was uh, raised a Methodist, and um, I, anyway, along the line there, I gave all of that up, and I was anti-religion. But I went with my friend. But we're sitting on the floor, nine hundred of us, and Techna Khan. Mm. slips off his outdoor shoes, slips on his indoor shoes, and walks in. And I fell apart. It was like, thank you, Jesus. I don't know. It was, was, um, yeah, I guess that's where, um, yeah, where I fell in love.
0: Mm. I love your relationship, your friendship, your spiritual companionship, Terry and Mike. And I think it just speaks to the importance of programming like this, outside and inside. And maybe we can start with Mike. Um what would you, what would you share um of the impact of, you know, meditation Buddhist programming, yoga, um, yeah. What would you say about the impact of programming like this? Um, I think,
1: uh, I think. Well, I mean, obviously, I think there's 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 not nearly enough of it. But um, most most of the men I met along the way, and we're talking hundreds. We were in dorms of 65 people so i met over the course of four years i met hundreds and hundreds of men and most of them have never been in any kind of environment where any wholesome seeds were watered they have always been in violence and addiction and um and i think it's a real it's crucial that there are programs and i'm not i i live i was the chaplain at one of the prisons i was the chaplain's assistant i was in the office so i saw the i saw the attempt and 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 there were some really wonderful volunteers from strangely pentecostal um churches came in and and um seemed to have our our, uh, our best interest in their hearts and they were doing it out of the out of a, a sense of kindness and compassion and so you know i just think the message of buddhism of of looking deeply within yourself and realizing that that you have all the conditions that you need to be happy um is just a message that doesn't really come from anywhere else very not very often and i think i think the the yoga and and meditation some breathing exercises and just some some silent meditation is uh, if i mean if i could if i could have my wish it would be that there are you know that is the the main program in every prison but the honest truth is is that's far, far from true. And I i, I think I'm, I'm fortunate in that I had an education and a family support system. And so frankly, it was a lot easier for me to invest the time and effort into pursuing those things while incarcerated. But it is so difficult to be Berated as a, as an as an inmate, the way that you are in the system, if you don't have a support system and you don't have a Dharma teacher out in the world writing you sweet letters and you don't have any place anyone to talk to about meditation, um, and I I mean for me it was transformative. And I think it probably is transformative in in some ways for everyone who even touches a program like that. But um, but I don't, I mean, for, from my, and, you know, I realize that Texas is different than other places, maybe not as bad. I've heard Louisiana is probably the worst place to be incarcerated, but Texas is all oh, worlds. She, when, when Terry said, we're number one in executions, it's like, it's you know it's it's hard to get excited about being number one in some of the things Texas is number one in, but we are probably way down the list um, in having programs um, that that um, help men um, you know bolster their self-esteem and and learn ways to to embrace their anger and their, and their unwholesome feelings and transform them. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, except to just, you know, clone Terry about a thousand times. Um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't overemphasize how important, um, these types of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, preaching to the choir when i when i talk to to people in the practice but if you've never been exposed to some of the things that you're exposed to in a in a mindfulness meditation buddhism uh class or or lifestyle or practice um it's uh it's i mean the word we we overuse is it's transformative i mean it just changes your perspective on on everything. So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we'll continue to uh be able to uh, I'm inspired today actually to go knock on the door at the Bear County jail and see if they need somebody to come meditate with those guys. So we'll see if that if we can make that happen.
0: So well put Mike and um that was going to be the next question if I had was if you were interested in going back in. Um, So I'm so happy that this has served as inspiration. Um, And I think that that's what we're trying to do as well. Like that's what we try to do with these webinars, Um, trying to inspire people. Um, I know that this work can also feel quite lonely. Um, And obviously also lived experience of being incarcerated um, is something that I can't express or know. Um, but just knowing that we are here as a community and a sangha um, to continue to practice and programming like this. I, I might
2: uh, add one part of it. Um, Mike is right. I get. um hmm sad sometimes when I think, when when guys don't, when they get out, they don't come to sangha, and I've got 50 guys from my class in sangha. So, uh, but I do, I, I think um, one of the ways that they benefit is from talking to each other. So I've never been incarcerated either. My little old white woman, Grandma, and so what middle-class, so what do I bring? Um, so a lot of our, we have an hour and a half every day, once a week. And we spend maybe 30 minutes in doing some yoga and some meditation. But the rest of the time is fellows sharing their own experience. So learning from each other. They are each other's teachers. That's why it's so important that that there be that there be that um, connection, that interaction. I can offer, uh, like uh, if someone says, "My woman has broken up with me, I can offer some practices that you can try and see how that works for you. and then, Other guys can say, Well, yeah, when my woman broke up with me and like that. So it to me a real benefit of our time together is the time when the fellows hear their their confusion, their hurt, their suffering.
0: And Sangas, the Part of the three jewels, the three things that we take refuge in. Right. So, for the three jewels is the Buddha. But that's also so expansive, right?
2: Right. The Buddha is not Shakyamuni, but is the enlightened uh, teachers, like teachers, like these trees, like each other, like the gods. Those are the teachers. And then the Dharma is just the teachings. What do trees teach you? What does this friend of yours whose woman left him too? What is that? He's a teacher like that. And the Buddha said actually that the Sangha was the most important. And the more I practice, the more I am certain he that old Buddha is right about that.
0: <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I feel that, too. Um, And uh, just this is an invitation to our community. Again, thank you for being present here. Uh, You can start to drop your questions in the Q&A box. You'll see it on the on the Zoom um, screen uh, and I'll read those out loud to Mike and Terry. Um, But we'll go with just a couple more questions here. But you can start to pile those questions in. Terry, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting involved in prison reform or offering spiritual guidance in correctional facilities?
2: Well, it's my biggest teacher. It's my it's uh, my weekly shot in the arm of of compassion and kindness and diligence and wisdom. So uh, do it for yourself. Um, I don't feel like ever like, oh gosh, I've gotta go do my service work. It doesn't feel even just saying that sounds ridiculous. It's a time, it 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 is hopefully both ways. That I'm of of help to them and they're of help to me, but the truth is we are we are there together. It uh I you know, I could volunteer in a lot of different places, and I would be more welcome <laughs> than I am at at the jail sometimes, although that's changing. Um, but, but I this would be the, the last thing I would give up. I'm an old woman, and at some point you say, oh, I'm going to retire. Um, but... Uh, I can't see an an end to this. For for me, for my sake, I'm doing it for my sake. It's for me. So um, to feel like
0: it's a service work, meh. (laughs) And Mike, having lived experience of being incarcerated and being um, a participant of programming, what would, what perspective would you share to someone who is interested in coming in and offering programs?
1: Um, well, first, let me just say that I've gone with Terry a, a few times now, a couple of times into the Travis County Jail for her services. And I just want to echo that, that I've, I felt like I got a lot more out of it <laughs> than the guys that were in there. It just is um. It's just a, an amazing feeling to be able to to offer any comfort to to someone that I know what they're going through. But I think I think the advice I would give to someone who had no incarceration experience is um, absolutely um, absolutely devoid your mind of any preconceived notions about what is going on in prison, even you know even if you've seen the entire orange is the new black series you know just just get out of your head what you think is going on in prison and just treat just let them share from the heart what what's going on for them because it's an individual experience for everyone that's in there um and and to the, the programs I did participate in, and I did a lot, um, I, I, I taught some programs and I, and I went to many Christian programs and book readings and all kinds of things. And, and it's just, it's difficult for, for men that are incarcerated to, I don't want to use the word preach, but to have someone just come in and tell them what they need to do. Here's what you need to do. This will fix your problem as opposed to tell me what you're feeling, you know, and, and how can you, how can I help you deal with that? So it's, it's mostly just allowing them to just be human beings and not be inmates, not be a number. Um, and one last shot, uh, Terry's a pro at that. No, no one who's ever been through her program has ever felt like she treated them like an inmate. So so I would say just emulate what Terry does and you'd be fine.
2: I'm a cheerleader. I love you so much.
0: <laughs> I think that's a privilege that I feel. Um, although I have moved just last week, I was going into uh, RJD, which is a men's prison down by the border of California and Mexico. Um And I felt so privileged every time I walked into the prison that I got to come in with joy and I got to wave and say hi and smile and engage in a joyful way with everyone that I met. Um, And that just felt like also like a, a privilege to be authentic, to go in as myself and also I have never been more welcomed by any community or any spiritual community that I have ever entered. And saying goodbye was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And it was also the warmest goodbye that I had ever received. Um, I have them. They will be on my altar when I set up an altar, but I got origami flowers made by participants it, just the generosity is unmatched um, and just it is it's such a privilege to be able to go and, and practice with our sangha inside. It is, like I said, it is unlike any other community that I have been a part of.
2: I, I might add too that if you can't get in a prison or in a jail, uh, there's a real joy in in having a pen pal, mm. in in writing each other, uh, I write. Of course, Mike and I wrote for years, and then uh, I I don't know maybe off and on fifty different guys to that that we write, and some some keep it up and some don't, and they have to buy their envelope and they have to buy their stamps. So there's that as well, but um, but. But I I think that's nourishing both ways as well. Just writing to guys, people who are incarcerated.
0: I think that's a perfect segue to this first question that we have for the question and answer Um, comes from Laura. Looking to the future, what are your thoughts about using technology to bring meditation to incarcerated people? I am the executive director of a nonprofit called Connecting from the Heart, and we offer videos with music, meditation and mental wellness talks. Our goal is to alleviate suffering and bring hope and healing to underserved populations, including incarcerated people and their families. In your experience, are there closed circuit TVs or personal tablets available to people that are incarcerated? Um, What does the future of technology in this work look like?
2: yay yay laura <laughs> can you come to austin yes um just since covid they've uh you have they, they have to buy them but there are uh, uh tablets that are available to guys to buy this is way since mike's time it's just since COVID, <laughs> and there are there's Education sections, and there are um, a Buddhist sections, and I suppose others. But the guys report to me; they come back. In fact, um, Jesse would write down because he can't bring the tablet out. He 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 wrote down some of the the whole four pages of of a talk to bring to the to the to our sangha gathering at the at at the jail and then um we're able to make copies so we can make copies of those and hand them out so yay laura that would be it would be such a gift if um, if if you can keep that that going and i think now there's a you know we're talking texas here and (laughs) We're not going to be on the forefront but uh the more you can do that the more uh, eventually it'll get down, down down to
0: us i didn't know they had to purchase a tablet yeah
2: just like you have to
0: purchase of
2: a, a, a radio if you want a radio or if you want a fan you purchase the fan you have to have you have to have money
0: mm-hmm. But just an, another barrier.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, um, I put it in the chat, but Laurel, let's connect you with Terry. <laughs> Yay! thank you. <laughs> um, more questions are still welcome. We've got about 10 more minutes. Uh, this next one is a community member just wanting to thank you. Uh, all you shared is identical to my experiences serving mindfulness and meditation in New Mexico prisons, um, and through correspondence. So they just wanted to say thank you.
2: Well, to, to that person, I uh, recently gave uh, led a retreat in Albuquerque, and I have a couple of people in Santa Fe who um, who are in who I've been working with, or ordained people I've been working with. Uh, it, it um, I'd I'd love to know more about your uh, work in New Mexico as well. Is it in Santa Fe? Is it in Albuquerque? Or can I ask that question?
0: Yeah, they should be able to respond in the chat as well. Um, and while they respond, will oh, she's they in Santa Fe. Oh, at Opaya, amazing. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Right, okay. Joan Halifax. Right, Joan Halifax. Right, yeah. great, beautiful.
2: Um, I see some, I see this one note that says that she's moving or she's moving back to Central Texas in July. Uh, I'd love to connect to no, there's no possibility of any kind of, of reimbursement or Donna of any sort. Although uh, last week was volunteer uh, awareness week at the jail. And so I, I had a wonderful brownie.
0: And to speak the question out loud, um, a participant is saying that they're a recreational therapist and certified yoga teacher. Um, the cost of living in Austin is astronomical. Um, is all of this volunteer work or is there possibility of reimbursement? And I'll speak to that a little bit more as well. Um, well. A piece for Prison Yoga Project that we speak to is that we encourage having paid programming because it makes the work more sustainable. That's not always accessible in every county or state or program or prison. Um, If you'd like to connect further, we have ways um, that you can fundraise in the community um, that supports gas stipend. Maybe it supports your time there. Maybe it supports um, like printing materials or buying books. Um, As a community, we do what we can to find or um, pave roads for financial support for this work. Again, just just coming back to the sustainability effort. we don't want a volunteer coming in for a couple weeks and then leaving. Um, I think that contributes to um, just a- abandonment narratives that I think a lot of people that are incarcerated hold because that is what the system does. It pulls people away from lives. It pulls people away from families. Um, and we don't want to contribute to more of that. Um, and so if you are interested in doing this work um but you do need financial support um maybe there's small grants, maybe there's people in the community um i th- I think there's always a way that's my that's my uh <laughs> that's my there's always a way <laughs> um but Brittany, let's get you connected with Terry as well. Um, We've got a couple other questions coming in, which is really great. Um, Thank you both so much. It would be great to connect with more teachers doing this work. I'm with a nonprofit Kula for Karma. I hope I said that right. And we're always looking for more certified teachers to go into correctional facilities in New Jersey. We do supply a stipend. Thank you, Blair, for hosting. Amazing. Allison, if you're not already connected with PYP, uh, we can connect you with our program facilitator, Amy. Um, and if you become a PYP program, um, we are able to support and, um, give you resources. Um, Allison's also agreeing that consistency is so important. Um, continuity is important. Speaking from a therapeutic perspective, building rapport is essential to find deeper healing. Totally agree. Um, Here's the here's the problem with continuity
2: in a jail. They come and go. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be uh, n- no longer than a year, but there's several guys that have been there three years. I I think Mike was there almost two years. No, no year. exactly
1: exactly one year.
2: Exactly one year. Uh, so uh, uh, I I see that lack of. Point of view. Oh darn! They have to leave. You know, Santos just left, and he just found us. He just got connected, and now he's he's moved on. So it's wonderful when they can move out and and be free. But uh, often they move on to prison. So we do our part. I totally agree. With, you can see I have practiced doing my part of being there, being available. Thank those you. guys Come and go. <laughs> and I,
0: I think that's speaking to I think it's speaking to a larger piece because then it's also um who is facilitating or catching people when they're released as well, right? Like Mike, you went and formed your own community, but maybe not everyone has the courage to do so, or maybe they don't have the support to do so. And so I think it's pointing to that it does take all of us. It takes a community um, to be able to serve in so many places. You know, uh, several
2: guys do come and sit with us in our sangha. And that works two ways. It breaks stereotypes uh, uh, that people have about inmates, and it it, uh, uh, offers continuous support for the guys that can come but you have you have to have a car or in in Austin or you have to be able to pay for all of that yeah for them to be part
0: yeah and i think it's i hmm let me collect my thoughts there's always so much to say um I just think that we continue to do a disservice and we continue to harm people that are incarcerated. We need to continue to shift towards a rehabilitative program. It needs to be rooted in transformative justice and rehabilitation because although you've served a sentence, you still come out and you have felony charges. You can't, I'm sure you can't buy a home. You can't get a job. It makes it impossible. And it continues the recidivism rate. Then what is 70% within five years will be returning or have already returned. Um, we are not doing enough. Um, and I think it is why it's also inspiring that we come here as a community. Um, to talk about the work that we do, to continue to inspire each other and educate each other on the work that we do. Um, but it is it is a multifaceted, multi-pronged approach um, to shifting this colossal system that we have towards a healing-centered opportunity.
2: God bless you, Blair. Thank
0: I love you I love being part of this community. It, it is, uh, it shows.
1: Thanks, Terry. I am. I just wanted to say, I don't, I absolutely don't want to be political, but um, in Texas, there are for-profit prisons and recidivism has a financial incentive for them. And that's a problem completely outside what we're talking about. But, it is a system that thrives on recidivism so when there was a budget cut while i was incarcerated there was a budget cut and they decided educational programs was where they could trim back on all the prisons um and so i absolutely agree with you um but i can't i can't speak for terry but i am horrible at being a political activist, but I hope there are also people out there. I think Prison Mindfulness Institute is one of them that is, is trying to put pressure on that side of the the, the equation to stop making um, the prison system in Texas a, a cash cow, because then what's the incentive for anyone involved in the, in the system to do this transformative work to get, get you out into the world and make you productive when it's better for them if you're there. Um, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to get off on that tangent, but, but um, it is definitely an issue.
0: And thank you. And that was a piece that we hadn't spoken about. I know that you, did you spend all of your time at a for-profit prison or was it only part of it?
1: I spent... Two years in a for-profit and and one year in a in a regular uh, state-run prison. Um, after- oh,
2: you froze, Mike. Maybe he'll come back in a second. Just talking about those public prisons made him freeze. <laughs> Cause and- they were horrible.
0: You know, and I, I hope he's able to connect back on. um i I I guess I have a couple opinions. I feel like Mike's work, Mike's spiritual work is political. I feel like that work is inherently um political in a way, or it's radical. Um, so that's what i would I would share with him. And also like speaking to his lived experience of being in a for profit prison. Um, it's just more speaking of truth and experience rather than political, right? Like this is what it is. Yeah. This is what my experience was. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to hear a little bit more. Um, we'll give it one more minute and see if he comes back on. Um, if Doe's ever in Austin, she's interested in coming to the Plum Blossom Sangha. How can people be in contact with you, Terry, or know about anything that you might be offering in person or digitally?
2: Well, you can go to Plum Plumblossomsangha.org. dot org. dot org. And um, my teaching schedule is usually in there, the, like where, the retreats. Um, the one coming up is in Omaha in, in May. So uh, that, that, would, that would be a good way to get in touch. I think my email address might be there too, but my email is Terry Cortez Vega, without that uh, hyphen, Terry Cortez
0: Vega at gmail. I'm going to drop this into the chat. I also dropped the plum blossom sangha piece. Oh, I hope we get to say goodbye to Mike and thank him. Um, We are coming to the end of our time together, which makes me sad. Terry, was there anything that wasn't said today that you would like to speak to? I guess
2: I just want to say I feel like I'm... part of a, by being with you all, I feel like I'm part of a, of a good club, of a, of another Sangha, a, a community that cares for themselves and, and cares for, for other folks. It just feels, it just feels like you're my peep. <laughs> And, and it feels supported and also uh, guided. I feel supported and guided by, by by your comments, by your questions, by your energy, by you know, it's whatever it is. Today's Friday, it's a Friday afternoon and you spend your time this way instead of some other ways you could spend your time. So I feel taken care of me like with my no thinking thank
0: you i feel that too thank you terry and mike i was so happy that you're able to pop back on um we'll send you the recording i was just kind of responding to what you were saying is that i think i think that you are political in that you are so dedicated to your dharma practice i think that is radical. When we look at the way that a lot of people live and interact with others, um, that you have chosen to take great responsibility for your life. I think that's a radical action. um, And I would mark that as political. Um, And so that's what I just wanted to share with you that I said once you passed. um, But we've got the last couple of minutes here. And I just want to give you um, an opportunity to speak to anything that hasn't been said.
1: Um, well, um, no, I think, I think, um, I don't want to call it aftercare, but, but you sort of touched on, um, being available, uh, as people exit the prisons, uh, a support system. And I think, um, I can speak for our song if you're in San Antonio. Um, and Terry probably would say the same thing. I assume that that we try and make ourselves available and we're open to anyone. Um, and we're very accepting. But I, I think I I can speak for our song in that we could probably do a better job of making our um, availability more known um, to the community. Um, and I don't know if that's the actual inmates or the families of the inmates. There are a lot of um, of barriers, like she said, you know transportation, especially people that come out on probation or parole. There's many strict things about when they can leave and when they can't. and and I know from my experience when I was coming out the here's the two things I was met with is they handed me a um, they handed me a piece of paper with local churches about five local churches in San Antonio and then the guard opened the gate and told us all we'll see you back soon and <laughs> that was my exit so i think we could do better i
2: could do
0: well thank you so much for taking the time, not only just when we were here together, but the pre-meetings and the email and the prep. Thank you for your devotion to this work for relieving suffering for all beings. We are so grateful to have you here in this community um, and to Mike, to uplift your voice and your experiences and the work that you do on the outside now. We are just so grateful. Um, Thank you both for being here.